Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Good morning, Summit family. How are you this morning? I love the 11 o'clock service because by now you have had like multiple cups of coffee and or are just awake. You slept in. I did not. 6 a.m. was my wake-up call, but I'm so glad that you are here this morning, whether you're joining us online or at our Blairsville campus. We're so thankful that you have made Summit part of your day today. Uh, My name is Kim Massengale, and Mel is a last-minute preaching for our friends in Columbus, Ohio at Adventure Church. So they are a church that is eight years old as of today. Today's their church anniversary, um, and we have been ministry partners with them for a while, and Mel is one of the overseers of the church, and both Pastor Kyle and Jess Hammond have COVID, and Jess has COVID pneumonia, and so um, Kyle called Mel last minute and asked him to come and preach so that he could stay home and help care for Jess. So if you all will just be in prayer for them, um, I would greatly appreciate it, and um, you know, COVID is not too big for our God, and so I'm just asking God to to heal them and to um, for COVID-19 to bow in Jesus' name. Um, I also just, I felt led this morning just specifically for this service, but I, you know, I'm so aware just because we have so many medical professionals in our church and I'm so aware of how exhausted you are in this season. Um, even hearing reports from some of our former students that attended IUP who were at our church that are working at um, Children's Hospital and, and Pittsburgh and know their ER is just seeing more um, more visits than ever, and not just COVID-related, but they've had to set up a tent outside, and, and they've just shared how exhausted they are. And, um, and so I just want to take a moment to pray for our medical workers. Can we do that? Can we pray that God would just infuse them with strength and solutions, and especially those that are believers would bring hope in a situation that we need hope. Because it's not just COVID, it's cancer. It's all kinds of things that are hitting people. And so let's just pray for our healthcare workers for a moment. God, we thank you. Lord, we thank you that people are called to be doctors. We thank you that people are called to be nurses and and medical assistants. And Lord, I pray right now that you would infuse the believers that are there with hope and strength, God, that you would um, give them the ability to see into situations and to bring um, your solutions to health problems right now in Jesus' name. I pray for COVID-19 just to bow. I pray for cancer to bow. All of these healthcare issues that are arising, God, I pray that you would just, a sickness would bow at your name. Jesus, you defeated sickness on the cross. And um, we pray for Kyle and Jess Hammond. Lord, I pray that you would heal her lungs, Father, that you would give her the strength to be the mom and the wife and and everything she is, Lord. Um, Give her the ability to do that. Give her energy. And we just thank you for that. And Jesus, Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thank you for praying with me this morning. Um, listen, uh, ladies, I'll just touch on this real briefly, but you saw the uh, announcement about our SHIAs conference, and that is a conference that we host at Summit Church. It's, we started it seven years ago, and um, we outgrew our facility in 2018, and so we took a leap of faith and moved to the KCAC in 2019 and had over 1,400 women in attendance, and then we all know what happened in 20. 
2020. So we were online, but we are back at the KCAC this year and have plenty of room to spread out. But I do believe that God gave us specifically the word resilient for this year, that girls and women need to be reminded that through Christ, they are resilient, that we can bounce back and not just bounce back, but bounce back um, better than ever and just be women of faith. And um, and so I want to encourage you, invite your friends. There's 4,000 seats in that arena, so there's plenty of space to spread out and make room and it be a safe place. Um, but I believe God wants to do the miraculous. And a few weeks ago, God spoke to me very clearly and said, um, open it up. And by that, I really believe that he meant that um, if you cannot afford a ticket, that I want you to let us know. Um, we don't want finances to be a hindrance to you attending. Um, I have to charge because there are incredible costs associated with hosting an event like this. However, um, I never want a ticket price to inhibit anyone from coming. Um, I just invited a international student who is a friend of mine, and um, she is Muslim, and she said yes. She's coming to the conference. And so um, ask. Make the ask. Don't let ticket price be... Uh, be a, um, a stop for you to come. So just let me know about that. Also, baby bottles were left over from last week out in our lobbies in Blairsville and in Indiana. And make sure and grab one of those today to support our ministry partner, Life Choices. Fill those with cash and checks and bring them back. I heard of one, um, one little one, like a, a eight-year-old taking her bottle to school and the teachers put it in the teacher's lounge to, to fill it up for her. So I love that. I love that our kids are getting involved with that. Um, but listen, I'm excited to get to bring the word. I kind of found out last minute I was going to be doing this. But I do believe that God um, really spoke to me clearly and and it's deeply personal for me as well. And um, he's just done a work in my heart. And um, since I found out I was preaching this message, and I'll be honest, I am not a gamer. I know nothing about video games. Um, so I'm Melvin, <laughs> I need you to preach. I'm like, cool. How many of you know nothing about video games? Am I alone? Oh, praise God. So many of you. See, you're my people. Uh, that's why we have these de decorations. So for those of you who are guests with us today, we don't normally decorate with video game decor. But our sermon series is, uh, is titled Level Up. And today we're going to talk about defeating the boss. So my knowledge of video games is limited to Mario Brothers in about eighth grade. And... Um, Man, I could rock some Mario Brothers. However, I chose back then to not continue to play because I'm very competitive and I was afraid it would consume my life. And so I, um, I don't play video games for that very reason because I would literally be in the basement playing video games all day long every day just to try to win. Um, and that's kind of the point. That's how they get you addicted. And um, when Mel comes and tells me about the, the new ways he's found out to beat the levels, I just kindly nod, and that's great, honey. What else are you doing with your life? No, I, I'm kidding. He does a lot with his life, believe me, as the pastor of this church. He, he, uh, he can play video games, uh, but no, I don't understand it one single bit. However, I do know from my extensive Mario Brothers 
playing days in the eighth grade, which was just a few years ago, I remember that at each level, there's a boss. There is this boss that you try to beat. It's this super powered boss. And at every level, that boss gets harder to beat. And so for those of you who are super nerdy, you figure out cheat codes and all of those things. I see some of you nodding your head like, yeah, I do that. And that's okay. Um, But But for those of you who are not gamers and raise your hand, which is the majority of you, uh, just so you know, a fight with a boss character is commonly referred to as a boss battle or a boss fight. And bosses are generally far stronger than the other opponents they may play in the game. And winning requires you to know some strategy, some inner workings of the game so that you can beat the boss. And, um, And then how many of you know the game punch out that Mike Tyson was like the one you wanted to beat. Anyone? Some of you. Okay. Not as many thing. It's like mostly men in the room. I know that game. I do remember watching people play that game and the whole goal was like you had to be light on your feet and, and box and your whole goal was to beat Mike Tyson and then they replaced him with Mr. Sandman. But um, I won't demonstrate to you how to play that game today because I will fall over because my um, balance is terrible, which I'm going to therapy for. So there you go. Um, Um, But today, I wanted to make this practical, and I wanted to talk to you about a story in Scripture where we see a boss battle happen, and um, and the fact is, is that many of us in real life have a boss, and I'm not talking about a work boss or your mom boss or your dad boss, Um, however, they may apply to these situations, um, but I'm talking about the boss of your mind, the boss of your life, the one that, man, you feel like you're on a hamster wheel and you can't get off and you keep asking yourself, why do I keep you know, going back to this thing? Why do I, why am I so ridden with anxiety? Why do I have so much fear? Why do I have this relationship that I just can't seem to mend fences with? Um, And so today we're going to talk about that boss in your life and how to defeat that boss. And the greatest story that that I could think of that applies to this situation in scripture is the story of David and Goliath. And Even if you weren't raised in church, you know some reference to this story because many authors, secular and non-secular, have written about David and Goliath because it's just this great story of this underdog defeating the enemy. And we all love it when the underdog wins, except if you're a bully and then you like it when the bully wins. Um, But... I want to paint a picture for you, give you some background for those of you who may not be familiar with this story. So there were two, um, two camps, Philistines and the Israelites, and they were enemies, and they were often at war with each other. But this particular war was very different, and they met at the Valley of Elah, which is still in Israel today, and I should have like gotten a picture of it. But it's these two mountains, and then this valley where they would come, and they would meet to fight. But this particular battle was very different in that it wasn't everyone fighting against each other. 
the whole goal was for each camp to identify one person that would square off with another individual and winner takes all. So the Philistines chose Goliath. And Goliath was most definitely a boss. He was the man of men. He was trained for war. He was massive. And I'm going to go into detail about that a little bit more. But he was the man that the, the Philistines chose. Israelites, no one wanted to face Goliath. Uh, every single day for approximately 40 days, they would meet in the Valley of Allah, and um, King Saul would try to get someone from his camp to volunteer to face Goliath, and they did what many of you do in like small group when someone asks you to pray, you like, don't make eye contact with the leader. Don't make eye contact. Or in class, like, they're going to ask me a question. Just don't make, don't make eye contact and you're safe. So just picture all of the Israelites doing this in this battle. And they're just, don't make eye contact with King Saul. Don't do it. Don't do it. Because we don't want to die today. And that's what happened for approximately 40 days. And for 40 days, Goliath would come out. He knew he was boss. He knew he was big and bad and could kill anyone that he faced. So he would come out and taunt them and just say things to them and, and intimidated them. And you know, for 40, almost 40 days, um, he defeated them just by fear alone, just by intimidating them alone. And I'm just wondering how many of you are just defeated every single day based on your thoughts based on fear, based on anxiety, based on security every single day. And that, that's, all, that's all that has to happen to make you withdraw. So I want to ask you specifically just to think about what it is that comes to taunt you every day. Think of the Goliath, the boss in your life that comes out and taunt you every day. And maybe you haven't even vocalized that. And maybe today you're like, Kim, I'm good. But, but you haven't always been good. You don't always be good. Like every one of us faces a boss at some point of our life. So what, what is it? Is it finances? Is it that mountain of debt? that, or maybe a job loss during the pandemic that wakes you up at three o'clock every morning and just... You just are so overwhelmed by it. Maybe it's relational conflict with a friend or man, there's been so much relational conflict with family members through this last year and a half or a spouse or a sibling or a son or daughter. Maybe it's addiction. Addiction comes out to taunt you to say you'll never overcome it. You'll never win the battle that you need it. Or maybe it's a hidden sin that you haven't acknowledged to anyone, but it just eats you alive because you know and you're ashamed. Or maybe it's just simply your identity, your self-worth. Maybe every single day you go to your job or you go to class or you go into your home and you're like, I'm not... I'm not good enough. I'm not a good enough mom. I'm not a good enough dad. I'm not a good enough daughter, son, student, worker. I'm not worthy. Maybe you feel like you're not enough or that you're too much. 
Or maybe it's just that desire you have every single day to win at whatever you do. And it just eats you alive because you just want to win at whatever you do. And when you can't, it just gives you so much anger and anxiety. So Goliath was definitely the boss. He was estimated to be anywhere from eight foot five inches to nine foot two inches. I don't know about you. I've never faced off with anyone that big. Um, His armor and his weapons alone would have weighed 150 to 200 pounds. (laughs) So a large man. Uh, Kendall is, you know, does CrossFit and is like used to train for like world CrossFit. And I'm not... And Kendall, I'm, you know, not going to point you out totally, but I don't, maybe you could carry 200 pounds of armor all the time. Yeah, he's shaking his head like, yeah, I could. I don't think you could. Oh, but that's a lot of armor. Goliath was boss. And again, none of the Israelites wanted to face him. They were terrified. And so King Saul kept coming up with bribes to bribe the Israelite army. And there were no takers. <laughs> Nothing was getting them to, to take this. And um, we're going to focus on chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 17 today. But in 1 Samuel 16, uh, the prophet uh, Samuel was sent to identify the next king that would take over Saul. And God was very specific with Samuel and said, you're not going to pick the best, the one that you would pick. You're going to pick the least likely. You're going to pick the one that you would overlook because I look at the heart and that's what matters to me. And so Samuel goes to Jesse and he brings out all of his uh, older and capable sons and Samuel's like, nope, none of you are it. And is there another one? And David, the youngest, the baby boy, was out in the fields uh, as a shepherd, and he was called up, and God very clearly spoke to Samuel, this is the next king. This is, this is who I've identified. And so it says that Samuel anointed David as king in that moment, and that the spirit of God left King Saul and came on to King David. But he had not yet taken the throne yet in this story. Um, he was still a boy. He had the spirit of God on him, but he was still fulfilling his role as a shepherd. And his brothers were the ones on the battlefield going out to meet Goliath every day. And they were the ones looking down at the ground and kicking the dirt saying, nope, not me. And David's dad, Jesse, sent David, hey, your brothers are hungry. Why don't you go run onto the battlefield and give them lunch? So David made sure his sheep were taken care of and he ran onto the field to give them lunch just in time to hear Goliath give his big, bold, intimidating speech about he was going to take them all out and come face me. And David wasn't afraid. He was not afraid at all. He, he asked Saul, like, what, what, what's it about these, this winner's reward? And Saul tries to shut him down and, like, dismisses him. And, but David keeps being insistent and pushes back, and Saul concedes. And the fact that Goliath's armor would have probably weighed more than David himself should have like steered him off, but it didn't. Like 
if I'm being totally honest, it totally would steer me off. <laughs> I don't like conflict. I don't like, um, uh, yeah, I'm, I can't say that I would have been David in this story, but let's pick it up in 1 Samuel 17, 32 through 33. David says, don't worry about this Philistine. I'll go fight him. And then Saul says, don't be ridiculous. There is no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You are only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. Now, that seems like a practical answer from Saul. Like, right, he's the king, he's the leader. It seems like something that any of us would say to a a boy who comes and wants to fight this nine feet two inch of a man. And um, most of us probably would have said to David, you're ridiculous. (laughs) You're kidding me. Go home. Go back to your sheep and take care of them. This man has been training for this his whole life. You have not. You are a shepherd. Um, But I love David's persistent, and it says he persisted, and he said, I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. When a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club, and I rescue the lamb from its mouth. And if the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw, and I club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of this lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. I love David's confidence in this moment. He's like, "Um, I've been trained for this. God has helped me to beat lions and bears all by myself. I am ready for this moment. And so point number one today, and what I want to speak over you is be confident in your experiences. See, the lion and the bear were simply preparation, very specifically put in David's path for this moment. For him to see, I am going to give you the strength. I'm going to give you the ability to take on whatever enemy life throws at you. And that's what I want to say to you today is whatever boss is thrown at you, whatever circumstance is thrown at you, God has prepared you for this moment and he's prepared you for what's next. And the reason I know this is because he knows the end from the beginning He knows how many hairs you have on your head. He knows the circumstances that you were going to face, even if you made the circumstances yourself. He has the solution. He has the answer. And he will take care of it. But you have to look at the different experiences he's put in your life. For instance, super like practical example for me. I I ran a business for a short bit back in like 16 years ago and um and it failed like I got in a lot of debt over it and and like anyone outside looking in could say like yeah that was a failure um however until about 10 years ago I identified that God was going to use those experiences the things that I had learned in that season to prepare me for what I'm doing now 
because um, in that season where I could look at it overall as a failure, he prepared me to lead people. I had teams of people that I led. He taught me how to put together conferences and events and, and things like that. And even though it was a secular thing, he turned it around, turned a failure around and used those experiences to prepare me to lead people now and to lead events and put together those kind of things. So what is it in your life that he has prepared you for by giving you different experiences? Even our failures can be preparation for our future. So 1 Samuel 17, 38 through 40, um, it says, Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, he strapped the sword over it, and he took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. And he said, I can't go in these. He protested to Saul, I'm not used to them. So David took them off again, and he picked up five smooth stones from a stream, and he put them into his shepherd's bag. And then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started against across the valley to fight the Philistine. So point number two is be confident in who you are. See, David knew who he was, but he didn't just know who he was in and of himself. He knew the purposes that God had for him. He knew what God said about him. He knew God's faithfulness, and he knew how God knit him together and designed him for such a time as this. And I love that as, as such a young boy, he was able to identify when Saul gave him his armor, and I'm sure he offered awkwardly walked around in it and he just said I, I this isn't my clothes I'm not supposed to fight in these these aren't mine to wear and he took them off and again people would have thought he was crazy for doing that because he was going into battle with no protection at all but David knew that you can't defeat the boss when you fight in someone else's armor See, we live in a world that wants to tell you who you should be. If you don't know it for yourself, someone else will tell you. Social media will tell you. I mean, I have, have teenage, you know, teenage daughters, and I know the effect that social media has on them because TikTok influencers are telling them who they should be. Instagram is telling them who they should be, but I don't even just want to pick on them because adults, it's the same thing is happening to us. The world is telling us who we should be and we're fighting in someone else's armor. You know, Lisa Bevere is coming to speak for our She Is conference and um, she is someone that in my early 30s, I would have been like, like idolized kind of, you know, like I wanted to be Lisa Bevere. And it's not wrong to like look up to somebody and kind of emulate them and, and look at their gifts and talents and watch them. However, it is wrong when you try to be them. It is wrong when you try to imitate them because you were not meant to wear their clothes. 
You were meant to wear yours. And it wasn't until I really stepped into who I was that I got courage, that I got boldness. And um, some of you are just trying to do it the way someone else does, and it's going to keep you defeated. I very specifically felt for this service that I was just supposed to say that whatever your mom or dad think you should do in life, that's your decision. Some of you are called to ministry, but your family has told you that you're not going to make any money at it, so you're going after another career. You're putting on someone else's clothes. Or maybe you're continuing the family business because it's just what you do in your family, but you're miserable. And it's the boss. But it's because you're wearing someone else's clothes and you're not doing what God has designed you to be. Now, I'm not saying I don't agree with the world statement of you be you in a sense of you be you and whatever the world tells you you can be. I believe in the statement of you be who God has designed you to be. You be who scripture has says you are and who, who God is calling you to be. Because the world and, and all of that isn't going to fulfill you either. It's going to leave, leave you dry. We have this need in so many of us to be famous. How many famous people do you actually know? And probably most of us don't know any real famous people, but most of them are miserable and so I just want to encourage you today that you can look at others and you can look to them and you can admire them. But the second you begin to take on their clothes, the second you become, try to become a mom exactly like your mom or a mom exactly like the Instagram moms, or have a dating relationship like so-and-so, or be Insta or TikTok famous like so-and-so, you are going to be miserable. You're going to continue being defeated. For the longest time, for my whole life, <laughs> my entire life, up until about 10 years ago, I wanted to be somebody else. I didn't like my body. I didn't like my voice, like the literal sound of my voice. I didn't like how quiet I was, like I've been pointing out Steph, but like I wanted to be a Steph McCoy that had cute dimples and like lit up a room when, you know, and this is the life of the party. Like that wasn't me. They nicknamed me Swiss in high school and it, they, my friends weren't trying to be mean, but they just, I was quiet. I was um, kind of went with the flow in a lot of ways. And so they nicknamed me Swiss, like Switzerland. And I hated it. But I, but I, wore it. I wore that name. And I had to learn that that's not who. God did not call me Swiss. He did not put that name on me. And um, about six or seven years ago, really, I just had this moment that I was trying to put on somebody else's clothes 
And God very specifically spoke to me and said, take them off and you be Kim Massingale. And in that moment, this boldness came over me. This courage came over me. And now I'm able to operate out of who Kim Massingale is and not Kim Massingale trying to be like someone else. I know so many of you can identify with that. And that's exactly where David was. He knew what God had said about him. And so in 1 Samuel 17, 41 through 44, it says, Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog? He roared at David. I love that it says he roared. Like, <laughs> Goliath was intimidating. Like, I'm not even going to try because I'll lose my voice if I try to roar right now. But he roared at David, am I a dog? Like I can imagine it's just like, like it's just bouncing off of the mountains like everybody can hear it. Am I a dog that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. And he said, come over here and I will give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. Now, that would have been me. And Goliath said that. I would have been like, see you later. Just kidding. I can't do this. Um, in fact, um, I really hate fights. Like, I don't mind having, like, I don't mind being in conflict and working through it. Like, that's important to me and to resolve conflict. But I do not like observing fights like at high school and junior high when there would be a big fight and everybody would rally around like fight 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 I was the one running away because it would just cause all kinds of anxiety and fear in me um, in the fourth grade I had grown up in a very small Christian school, so like four kids in my class, very, very intimate, very small, and we moved to a new town, and I had to go to a public school, Emma Robertson Elementary, and was super intimidated. I was very sheltered as a child up until that point, like very sheltered, and, um, and I remember being, how many of y'all have ever played kickball? Yes, Okay. So, you know, it's a little bit humiliating when you go to kick the ball and you miss it. Like, especially if you're an athlete, because you take pride in this moment. And we were playing kickball at recess, and there was a boss of the fourth grade at Emma Robertson Elementary. In fact, I would say she was really the boss of the entire school. Um, she was about three feet taller than all of the rest of us, and I'm not kidding. And she was super intimidating, and she was from a very broken home. I'll say that. Her, her brother is now serving multiple life sentences for murder. So she didn't grow up in the best environment, but she was boss. She was scary. And she was the star athlete at fourth grade, which she can take great pride in <laughs> as a nine-year-old, a nine you know. And so she went up to kick the ball, and she missed it. And everybody thought it was the most hilarious thing ever to, like, she missed the ball, and we're laughing at her and just having a great old time. I was not laughing at her because I was terrified of her. However, I was in the bathroom, and one of my friends said, Kim, why is she crying? 
And I was like, well, this is what happened. And all of a sudden, she comes out of one of the bathroom stalls. Worst nightmare ever. Picks me up by my throat. Kim Franklin's little feet were dangling. This is not funny, but I can laugh about it now. And was so angry because she thought I was talking bad about her. And one of my friends steps in the middle of us, like God does, you know, very spiritual moment, and, and broke up the fight. And then, of course, she got expelled, and the teacher made her apologize. Mrs. Morgan made her apologize to me. And, and then at the end of the apology, it was, um, will you be my friend? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, what am I going to say? No. Like, yes, I'll be your friend. So we weren't like legitimate friends, but we were friendly all throughout the remainder of (laughs) elementary, junior high, high school. In fact, I would see her in the hallway and she jokingly would be like, hey, Kim. Hi. So I'm just saying in that story, it was not David. I was scared to death. And so many of us are scared to death of the boss in our lives. And if, if the boss is saying, listen, I'm, I'm going to eat you alive, which is often what the boss in our life will do. The anxiety that's crippling, the depression that's crippling, the, the fear of being found out is crippling. And it can become the boss in your life and eat you alive, just like Goliath was threatening to do. But here is David's response. He said, he replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give you the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. So point number three and the final point is be confident in the Lord. I love David's confidence in the Lord. He doesn't say, I will bring out my weapons that will appropriately fight you, that are earthly and that will match you. No, he says, I'm going to bring out my weapons um, that don't make sense, that aren't going to, that you wouldn't look at to defeat you because the Lord is going to do it. The Lord is going to be the one who takes you out and he will be the one to feed you and all of your army to the birds and wild animals. And the reason that David knew this is because he knew the stories of God's faithfulness to his people. So you can only recount what the Lord has done by looking at his word. And if you're not in the word of God, it makes it very difficult to see that he is God and he can do what he says he can do and he can defeat the things in your life that that seemingly um, have a hold of you. 
David knew because his family had told him year after year after year about these stories. They recounted the stories. So David had this confidence in the Lord. And I believe there are so many Christians today that you are fighting um, spiritual battles with fleshly tools because you aren't aware that God is who he says he is and he can do what he says he can do. You know, as a leader, I'm so tired of, of not, not our church, but just seeing the church as a whole be so divided and so conflicted and, and throwing stones at one another based on vaccines or not vaccines or mask or not mask. That's, we're fighting spiritual battles with earthly tools, with words, with anger, with hate, with bitterness. Maybe all have the wisdom that David has here to know, like the Lord is going to fight this battle. My job is to be obedient and to trust him. Hey, some of you are in situations or in relationships where you're having this constant conflict, but you're fighting it with fleshly tools. You're, you're using the same weapons the other person is using and it's getting you nowhere. When in fact you need to be confident in the Lord and fighting with the weapons that he has given you, which is prayer and the word of God and godly community. See, the children of Israel knew and they often forgot like we do. They forgot a lot. Like reading their story makes you irritated with them until you realize that it's you. Like... Yeah, I do this too. But they were constantly forgetting about the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God. And um, they had, Moses had led them out of slavery, millions of them. They were on the run from the Egyptians and they were hit at the Red Sea. The Red, they'd come to the Red Sea and they were like, well, we're done. We're going to drown. And the Egyptians were hot on their tail. And in Exodus 14, 13 through 14, Moses says, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. And I believe that God has a word for those of us in this room this weekend and watching online. And he wants to say to your situation, he wants to say to the boss in your life that is trying to keep you stuck, don't be afraid. God is not a God of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Stand still. And it's not a standing still so often when we are told to stand still, and I've done this, um, where I felt like, okay, God has this, and so I quit praying, get out of the Word, go watch hours of Netflix. So it's not a passive standing. It is an active standing where you join your faith with God. You trust that He has control of the situation. So you stand still, don't be afraid, stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. He will fight for you 
and just stay calm. That's not like the sweet sign that some of us have in our houses that say, just stay calm. This is a calmness that can only come from the Holy Spirit. Only him. No, no pill, no person, no crystal, no Reiki healing. And I really felt specifically that I was supposed to address those things because those things are very spiritual. But they're the wrong spirit. They are evil. And only the Holy Spirit, only the Holy Spirit can give you what you need. Don't be afraid. Stand still. Watch the Lord rescue you. He will fight for you. Just stay calm. I see this lived out in a couple in our church. They're retired ministers. Many of you know them. She is stage four cancer right now. She's not given a good prognosis. But when I talk to her, I'm so taken back by the peace she has. She's not shaken. She may have moments where she is. She's confident in the Lord. And she knows God can heal her. But even if he doesn't, she'll be healed in heaven. That is our hope as believers. She has a peace that doesn't make sense because she knows that she's confident in the Lord. She can look back on past experiences and past times with him and see that he's equipped her for this moment. See, Moses... Um, kept letting the people and they were so stubborn and they'd been delivered from the Red Sea and from being attacked by the Israelites, I mean, Egyptians. But so often they're like us and we forget. We want to do our own thing. We want to come up with our own tools and resources. And none of that is wrong, mind you. However, when it becomes supreme over God, then that's when it's wrong. And um, and the verses... Um, so in Deuteronomy 1, 29, 30 is what I want to read to you now. But the verses preceding this, um, they had found out there were giants in the promised land that they were supposed to go into. And God had spoken to them all these years, like, you're going to go into this promised land. This is what I have for you. And, but they heard a bad report. They heard about the boss. The boss was in that land, and they were terrified and and weren't obedient and therefore wandered in the wilderness because of their mistrust. But Moses says this to them in Deuteronomy 1, 29 through 30. He says, don't be shocked or afraid of them. The Lord your God is going ahead of you. He will fight for you just as you saw him do in Egypt. And you saw how the Lord your God cared for you all along the way as you traveled through the wilderness, just as a father cares for his child. Now he has brought you to this place. I believe God wants to say to all of us today, quit striving. Quit trying to be the hero of your own story. It's the Lord who will fight your battle. He will give you the strength and the grace and the peace to endure whatever you're enduring. That's why it breaks my heart to see Christians tearing each other apart. 
you know, we can get really overwhelmed with the news, and I do that. I don't watch it, but the minute I do, I'm just overwhelmed. And but what I want to say to you is that the gospel's advancing. God is working in the most evil of situations that we don't get told about. So, for instance, Kabul, Afghanistan, horrific what's happening there, awful, beyond any of our comprehension, unless maybe you served there. The Taliban has names of every believer and church leader that is there. Afghanistan is the second leading country. It's the fastest, second fastest growing church, Christian church in the entire world. We don't hear that on the news. The gospel is advancing. These believers literally are facing their boss, Goliath, the Taliban, every single day. They are so confident in the Lord. They know what God's called them to do. And it makes me take a step back. I mean, like, am I that confident in the Lord? Am I that confident in who he is, who he says he is? But what I want to say to you is that God sees things that we cannot see in the supernatural. And he's moving in ways in our country that we cannot visibly see right now. He is giving solutions to medical professionals. He's able to do that. He is giving solutions to believers all across this world that are in line with his word and we are not without hope. He's giving you solutions for your very specific situation. He knows your cheat codes. He's not holding out on you. He's not hiding them from you. But he wants you to know him more than he wants you to know the cheat codes right now. He wants you to be on your knees and seeking his face for the solutions in your high school. He wants you to be on your knees and seeking his face for the solution at IUP and in your workplace and in your home and in your family. That's where he wants us. I just, um, you know, want to say to our campus in Blairsville, like, we love you so much. And we want to turn it over to our campus pastor there and let him lead you through this final moment. But we hope that you have a wonderful day. We're so grateful you joined us today. We're going to do something a little different in the service because I really felt like the Lord told me to. So I'm going to have Kendall um, and Steve come back up and sing the song, Know You Will, that we sang earlier. I believe there are some people here today that you do not need to leave here with grabbing a hold of the fact that you can defeat the boss because he created you just who you are and that you can be confident in the Lord. And so I just want you to bow your heads and I want you, as they sing this song, to really think about the boss in your life right now that's taunting you. A thing that wakes you up at night or that gives you anxiety throughout the day or 
thing that you're afraid of being found out, I want you to acknowledge that in your heart and to God and just say, God, I give this to you today. And this song is just a declaration that we have our confidence and our hope in the Lord. That we know that he will come through and he will fight our battles. That we need to be still. So I'm just going to ask them to sing and then I'm going to come back and lead us through the next moment. And so I'm just asking if you don't have to leave, please don't. This won't be long. But I do believe this is a holy moment, very, very specific for this service. You can sit at your seats and sing it or not sing it. You can stand up, whatever you're comfortable in this moment. But let this be a very personal moment for you. When the road runs dead, you can see a way out. When it makes no sense But you say that's what faith is for When I see a flood You see a promise When I see a grave You see a door And when I'm at my end You see where the future starts I don't know how you make a way But I know you will I don't know how you make a way, but I know you will. You've been good on every promise, from Eden to Zion, through every dead end. And out of that grave, I don't know how you make a way, but I know you will. When the world's on fire, you can live and have a plan. This church will stand Nothing has ever once surprised you Nothing has ever made you flinch And when it all shakes out Gates of hell don't stand a chance I don't know how you make a way But I know you will I don't know how you make a way Eating desire through every dead end, out of that. 
some of you in the room today that you just say, Kim, I, I don't even follow Jesus. And so that would be step one for you because you cannot have the confidence that you need in this life without being his follower. You cannot have the strength and the power that you need without being his follower. And today that's step one for you is acknowledging that you need to make him Lord of your life, that you need forgiveness of sin, that you need him to come and heal the broken places. And maybe you're here today and you once followed him, but you just decided to take your own path. And today's your moment to just acknowledge I'm returning to God, returning to who he wants me to be. So if you're in the room today, all eyes closed, heads bowed, I just would love for those of you who just acknowledge I need to be on step one today. My, my first level is acknowledging I need a savior and I want to commit my life to him. If that's you today, I just would love for you to raise your hand and I'd love to pray with you today. I see you, you can put your hand down. Thank you. I see you in the balcony, you can put your hand down. Jesus. I'd love for everyone to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I need you. I need a Savior. I acknowledge today that you are Lord. I acknowledge today that I need healing. I acknowledge today that I need redemption from my sin. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising again for me. Today I make the decision to make you Lord of my life. I will follow you all of the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just celebrate with those that made a decision today? It is not a decision to be ashamed of. In fact, scripture says, don't be ashamed of the gospel. So I want to encourage you, tell someone you came with today, let them know you made that decision. 
and uh, we are going to have a prayer team here at the altars and I would love to invite you also to pray with them if you're online you can click the button there that you're seeing on the screen if you're on church online Um, But I would also just encourage you to fill out the connect card that's in the seat back in front of you, um, or you can do it the digital way, which is texting the word Summit PA to the number 94,000 and go through those steps. Um, But we want to follow with you on this journey because it doesn't mean it's a cakewalk. It's not. So you need godly community, people coming alongside of you to help you with your next steps, and we're here to do that. But for the rest of us in this room today, I just want to pray this prayer, and I'm going to ask Kendall to sing this one more time when we're dismissed, but I want to go ahead and invite the prayer team forward, anyone who's here available to pray. And I'm just going to pray this final prayer, and then I'm going to invite you, if you don't have to rush out, I'm going to invite you to sing the song. I'm going to invite you to come pray with someone today if you need prayer. So let me pray. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for what you've done today and this weekend, God. I thank you that you are our peace. You are our hope. And I just proclaim over this house, peace be still. Calm every fear right now in Jesus' name. It must bow to your feet. Calm every anxiety right now in Jesus' name. It must bow to our feet. I pray that addiction will be broken in Jesus' name. I I speak to just hidden holds on people's lives, that those would be broken today in Jesus' name and shame would be broken off of hearts and lives. I pray for relationships to be restored today. God, I pray that those who have been hiding in someone else's armor would be set free today, that would take off the clothes that they shouldn't be wearing and they would step into your purposes, your plans, your destiny for them, Jesus. Go before us this week. Remind us of this weekend that we are not alone and that we are to stand still and trust you, God. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, again, I just want to invite you to come forward if you need prayer for anything today, but we love you more than you know, and we're so honored to be your pastors.